Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. For the first time in its history, the St. Louis Art Museum is showing an exhibition by modern Native American artists. The show is called Action Abstraction Redefined. It's heavy on 20th century work by artists who taught and studied at the Institute of American Indian Arts in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and its audio guide features the artists telling their own stories. To learn more, St. Louis Public Radio senior reporter Jeremy Goodwin spoke with the museum's associate curator of Native American art, Alex Marr, about St. Louis Art Museum's history of collecting and not showing Native American art. He started the conversation by asking Alex about his hopes for the exhibition. One of the things that I hope that visitors walk away with is just a broader familiarity with the field of Native art um, and the continuous history of Native art. I also hope that the exhibition helps them to see historic and ancestral forms of Native art as active, vital, Mm -hmm. engaged with contemporary life, a source material for contemporary artists. Kay Walkingstick is a visual artist who talked about just her mindset as, as a Native artist in the 1960s and 1970s and the environment that she encountered and, and was trying to do work within. I was searching for meaning in 1975, searching for a way to address my thoughts and feelings about being an Indian and about being a woman in a male-dominated art world. I was also looking for a way to paint that was uniquely mine, yet still alluding to the contemporary art scene. I was trying to bring everything together for myself. Does that resonate with the perspective of other artists in this show? Absolutely. I think that Walking Stick sums that up from her perspective in a really beautiful way, sort of the broader cultural dynamics for Native artists during this period. It was a really volatile period. So in the exhibition, we feature three works by Walking Stick. One, which is called Personal Icon, that's the painting she was describing in the audio clip, which features an ink-stained canvas with a gridded encaustic or pigmented wax layer on top of it. So she's beginning to explore a tension between the organic on the one hand through the ink-stained canvas. It's very visceral, it's beautiful in a natural way, and makes reference to a few mainstream painters at the time, uh, but but women and, and painters of color, Helen Frankenthaler, who was staining canvases, as well as others. Now, she was taking all of these sources. She was thinking about her own identity in a new way during this time as well. And so she was imbuing this abstract composition with that tension between the organic and the gridded that spoke to Native history in a certain way and also had deep personal resonance for her. Let's talk a little bit about Lloyd Kivanu. He was a co-founder of the Institute of American Indian Arts, or IAIA. He was its first artistic director and later its president. And he led a textile workshop. And some of the fruits of that workshop make a, a striking impression very early in the exhibition, right? 
There are nine continuous textiles that wrap around a corner in the gallery and create this kind of wall of pattern. And three of those are by New himself from a business that he ran. The Exhibition Audio Guide has an interview excerpt with Lloyd Kivanu from 1975. I believe he's talking about his business. Listen to how he described that. So I set up a huge workshop with 30-yard tables in which I was able to apply my concept of Indian colors, my concept of Indian designs, onto 30 yards of fine silk, English woolens, cottons, all kinds of fabrics, because I had my own design staff, my own sewing staff, my own craft people, and I did the designing and sort of the business management part of it. There was an emphasis on studying past forms of native art, not simply replicating the designs, but using the aesthetic systems as the basis for artistic innovation. And that opened the door to what we're now seeing thrive, which is the contemporary Native American fine arts movement. There's at least two pieces in the show that are titled Indian Blanket, and they're paintings not necessarily a literal depiction of a blanket, but patterns that we might see in, in textile work, the, the energy that we might see in the way patterns relate to each other. So there's an explosion of the distinction between textile art and a two-dimensional piece. Absolutely. And that's a really critical part of this exhibition. As these artists were engaging with mainstream art discourses and styles, they were bringing a history of indigenous abstraction to them, to the discourses and styles. One of the artists in the show is Neil Parsons, who's a Blackfoot artist who lived in Montana. He has a piece in the show called Pueblo Form Number no. 2. He's creating large blocks of undifferentiated tone abutting each other with small fields of gestural brush strokes. And that creates a sense of monumentality across the canvas that Parsons surely would have seen in the architecture of Santa Fe, which is based on Puebloan forms. In this clip, Parsons talks about the source of some of his inspiration. My work has always been horizontally inspired, and I think that horizontal inspiration comes from having been brought up on the plains, because the plains are horizontal. <laughs> and there always has been abstraction in, in plains Indian art, and teaching at IAIA only added fuel to the fire. That type of uh, place-based understanding um, of abstraction came into dialogue with other notions of abstraction uh, from all across Native North America at IAIA. And to what extent has this history of Native artists not been written into some of the, the Western histories of art and the implied history of art that we see in a, in a place like St. Louis Art Museum. Yeah, very much so. I think these histories are are not highly visible. There are a few artists in the exhibition who some visitors may know, and there are a lot of artists in this exhibition who are not known even to specialists. This middle chapter of the history really has not been recognized. So why does it take until 2023 for, for St. Louis Art Museum to have a, an exhibition like this? We're seeing across the country, a broader engagement among institutions and the media and academia with contemporary Native art. 
Part of what is still missing is a continuous art history. Also, we need to recognize the, the ways in which cultural knowledge has been built over the past century especially and erased at the same time. So it's not that there has never been any, any work done by institutions in, in the field of native modernisms. There have been moments, early moments of engagement with contemporary Native art. So in 1932, we were one of the first, if not the first U.S. museums outside of the Southwest to purchase works from an emerging genre of figural watercolor painting in the Southwest. That year, we purchased a work by Tony de Pena and Valino Shia Herrera. Most museums didn't start collecting that material, and then it was usually by gift until the following years. And that's something that we continue to do right up until 1942. But after World War II, there was broadly a shift away from the interest and support for Native arts that really flourished in the 1920s and 30s. One thing this exhibition reminds us is that there's no such thing as one-way cultural influence. It's always moving in multiple directions at once. And for one thing, Jackson Pollock was heavily influenced by Navajo sand painting in, in developing his famous drip technique, right? Absolutely. And for those who don't know, sand painting, is a, it's a ceremonial practice. Um, and it is created by dripping, or dropping rather, uh, bits of sand onto the ground, much in the way that Pollock dripped paint onto his canvases on the ground and not upright. And Pollock, of course, was a Westerner and had multiple ways in which he would have witnessed sand painting. And by Westerner, you mean he grew up in Arizona? That West. That American West. West. <laughs> Thank you. And so there are artists in the exhibition, especially in the audio guide, who speak about Pollock and his debt to Diné sand painting. Um, more broadly, though, uh, Western as in European and American, uh, abstract modernism owes quite a bit to indigenous art from around the world. And, and that's something that the artists in this exhibition um, acknowledge. Um, and they are drawing on that heritage for their own purposes. Well, I love that there's a moment in the exhibition where an artist, Mike Medicine Horse Zilio, responds to Jackson Pollock. It's called The Day Jackson Pollock Became a Christian. And the artist explains that it has a small image of a cross in the foreground surrounded by streaks of color that look like they may have been applied with a drip technique like Pollock used. But if you look at it with your eyes kind of closed, it's not the drip. There's a, a series of what I want to call them like shadow people that are based in there that you won't see unless you, if I told you, I put those in there. And then I didn't fear putting a buckskin cross in there because what it talked about was that Jackson Pollock became a Christian, and I put the buckskin cross in there for Native Americans. So I think that's a piece that really puts a fine point on the idea that there's a conversation happening here among artists. So it seems like again and again we come to the idea of an inherited tradition and how one interprets that tradition in conversation with other traditions, how they interact. Is that what you make of the show? I, I generally agree with that. Yes, I, th I mean, this is, this is kind Tell of- Tell me where a, I'm wrong if- Yeah, this is kind of a fine point, but I'm, I'm not sure that I would use the word tradition necessarily because I, I think it runs the risk of presenting art of the past. Folk art as opposed to a more studied 
Well, as, as something that's predetermined by convention. Okay. The term that I prefer to use is, an, is historical or ancestral art. Certainly, I totally agree. Artists were drawing on their cultural heritage in the 60s and 70s, especially as they were exploring new paths forward for contemporary Native art. But they were more or less departing from and continuing that heritage. So, so rather than saying, you know, in this exhibition, the artist were, were transforming a cultural tradition. I mean, that, that may in some case be true, um, but they were, they were using art of the past as the basis for expanding what was possible. That was St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin speaking with Alex Marr, an associate curator at the St. Louis Art Museum. The exhibition runs through September 3rd. This episode was produced and engineered by Jeremy Goodwin with editing assistance from Emily Woodbury. Podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.